Hello, everyone. Welcome to this We Did It Health broadcast. At We Did It Health, we're working to create a healthy, happy, vegan, and plant-based world. And we're doing that through building community and offering resources such as today's discussions to help you create relationships where you can plant seeds of hopeful curiosity in others when they ask about a vegan or plant-based lifestyle. So please be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel or and go back and watch the other interviews and other featured guests that we have because we have a lot of wonderful guests such as Heidi who's joining us today and because we need support and we need encouragement with other people that are in the same situations as we are so please hit subscribe and my name by the way is Marikita Solis and I'm very excited to welcome Heidi Cohen to today's program we're going to have a great conversation on navigating a non-vegan world with our vegan children right how to do this with fostering the compassion that we want to continue on inside of the little a little child's heart that is that they're born with so please if you're watching let us know where you're joining from um, let us know your questions because this can be a, a big struggle. And so we have Heidi, who is a vegan mom and to her vegan born, born son with us today. And Heidi, welcome. And where are you joining from? Yes, good morning. And thank you so much for having me. I feel honored to be a guest today. Um, I'm pleasant. Uh, currently, I reside in Long Island, New York. So I'm in a town called Farmingdale. Wonderful. Are there a lot of vegans there? Actually, there is a pretty large vegan community here. And I feel blessed because there's more and more vegan restaurants, more and more vegan friendly restaurants and vegan activities constantly. And even if there's not something happening on Long Island, I'm very close to the boroughs, so I can easily access getting into Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, which a lot of people might know are um, definitely vegan Mecca over there with the amount of vegan activities and food. You can essentially do something every day being surrounded by vegans, whether it's uh, doing street activism um, or going to a social event. So, um, and I feel like the vegan community in Long Island has certainly grown. There's a lot more, um, you know, awareness um, and I've, seen it grow because I grew up here. I moved away for 10 years and lived in California. And then I came back and all kinds of restaurants that weren't here had opened up. So yeah, I think it's um it's an ever growing, you know, community, thankfully, probably almost everywhere, but definitely when you're close to um, you know, the cities, the big cities like that, you know, you're on the outside in the boroughs, um, you're gonna get some ripple and carry over from how much progressiveness and how much uh, veganism you know exists in those cities. Yeah, well, that's good to hear. And I would expect that, that you're in a pretty good place. So definitely. And for the support of the vegan community. So Heidi, um, tell us about how did how were you born vegan or how did you become vegan? Oh, I wish I was born vegan. <laughs> um, unfortunately, no, I was born in 1971. And there probably weren't like a ton of vegans then or if they were, they probably didn't even label themselves. Maybe only a few people understood what it really meant. Um, but I always considered myself an animal lover, like so many of us do. I grew up with pets, uh, companion animals, and I, you know, would go see animals at places where people view them and read books about animals encompassing human emotions. And so I had pictures of animals plastered all over my walls and uh, some things never change. <laughs> and I just like the average person was missing that, although I considered myself an animal lover, 
I was engaging every day in um, eating animals, wearing their clothes, you know, clothing made from them, um, using products tested on them and no awareness of this because of course we live in a society that completely desensitizes us to many of those, you know, surrounding violent issues that are, you know, encompassed in uh, the choices we make as a consumer. So luckily um, I was in some alternative communities. And when I was 19, I was at a Grateful Dead concert and there was a friend of mine who was walking around with a rubber stamp that said, love animals, don't eat them. And she was walking around stamping people's hands. And when she got to me, she looked at me and she didn't say to me, do you eat meat? Like most people would say to someone, she said, do you eat animals? And it's as though epiphany just happened at that moment, like this sugar-coated veil was lifted, the light bulb went on, and I was like, oh yeah, I eat animals, I like the way meat tastes, and as I said it, I was like, what am I doing? I'm eating animals, it was like, you know, but you don't know, and it, it I realized I was eating someone's and not some things, and at that moment, I looked at my boyfriend at the time, and I said, that's it, I'm not eating meat again, um, I'm done. And he laughed at me. I probably literally had had a hamburger that day. And from that moment on, I don't know why, but it was like, that was the question that got me. Like, you know, everyone has a different moment where they see it. That was before lots of social media and as many films as we have now that we can view. This was just my heart and my brain connecting and someone wording it in a way that I got it. Like no one had probably ever had a truly intelligent conversation with me before that about veganism. So I never was able to see it. And I became a sponge. I started reading, watching videos, joining groups. And within a year and a half, I had gone vegan. And I remember probably like a lot of vegans say, I remember saying, well, I'm vegetarian and that's cool, but I'll never go vegan. That's like so extreme. I don't need to go to that extreme. And then you start to learn about the connection with the dairy industry and how incredibly cruel, you know, eggs and dairy are probably the cruelest of all the animal foods, you know, the uh, connection with the environmental devastation we're experiencing and all those dots that you connect and go, oh my God, if I eat animal products at all, I'm still essentially supporting that horrible industry. So luckily I got it pretty early on. And by 91, I was vegan and also an activist pretty early on. I got very involved in activism. So that's where it all began for me. Just a simple question uh, in a parking lot at a concert. <laughs> Wow, that's a great story. <laughs> because we don't we wish we could ask somebody that question and then have it turn around like that. So I mean, every time but that that's wonderful. And uh, so when, how old were you then? So I was 19. I was pretty young, but old enough to take some independence with my food choices and cooking and stuff that maybe a younger individual might not be able to do. Right? Yeah. And so when you went did when you went back home or talked to your family and friends, what was their reaction? I think at first they probably were a little concerned. You know, everyone back then was like, oh, you're going to die of protein deficiency or, you know, especially when I went vegan. Oh, my God, you need calcium. You have to eat cheese. And I was constantly trying to explain to them the health benefits of doing it with plant-based foods and how you can get everything you need on a plant-based diet and just trying to educate them and show them, no, I'm going into this educated, I'm learning, I'm reading books from doctors that are experienced with this type of diet. Um, and they probably maybe thought it was a fad, like, you know, oh, that's kind of cool. She'll probably grow out of this. But then they saw as the years went on, I just became more and more committed and convicted to my beliefs and it encompassed 
every area of my life. You know, I, I always remember when I first went vegetarian, my mom was like, I made a lasagna and I put meat in one half, but not in the other. And you know, you're like, oh God, she's trying. She went out of her way to do that, thinking she did a good thing, but the meat juices like flowed right into my vegetarian portion. And that was just the beginning before they got it. You know, now it's been 33 years. So at this point, you know, the family is very, you know, clear that it's obviously, you know, a, 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 you know, probably uh, molds all the decisions in my life more than almost anything. Um, and they've, you know, got a lot of respect for it. Although sadly, none of them really came along with me ever. I thought like as the years went on, you know, they'll, they'll see, they'll get it. I'll show them a video and, you know, I've tried every angle. I tried books and videos about religion, spirituality, the health benefits, the environmental factors, you know, all of it, the morals, it's all been um, delivered to them in different mediums. And sadly, some people are just creatures of habit. They don't want to stand out. They don't want to be different. They feel it might be inconvenient. They don't want their friends to be like, oh, there's the, the weird vegan, you know, um, and food addictions or whatever it is that holds people on to feeling like it's wrong and agreeing with you morally, but not making those changes that would be in alignment with that. Sadly, almost no one in my family went along with that. And my sister's pretty close. She um, doesn't eat animals, except she'll eat shrimp. And she has a ton of allergies to sesame, rice, nuts, seeds. So I think if she didn't have all those allergies, she probably would go vegan. But almost every package she looks at of vegan food, it's like rice, rice. And I'm always telling her, eat more oats, eat more coconut. Like I'm trying to veer her onto the food. She's not even allergic to soy as she thought she was at one point. I'm like, you could still be vegan even with those allergies, but it's hard for her. She's a single mom and she works many hours. So, but I know she really believes in it. Um, and I have an aunt in Florida who is close to vegan as well. Her daughter went vegan for a few years, but sadly went, you know, backwards. So other than that, it's my son and I, and pretty much everyone else in my family is, is not vegan. So it, there's definitely moments it could feel ostracizing and you could feel like that deep connection that you have with other vegans is missing with the family members that aren't vegan. So it's, it, you know, it's um, emotionally, um, spiritually, sometimes it is definitely um, a difficult issue. Yes, and I can understand that. I'm very lucky that my brother and and like and his girlfriend are are vegan, and and my boyfriend is not vegan. He's trying, and, and this has been a process, right? And and it's it's a challenge to to be close to people that aren't, and and not to judge them or not to want to push them. It's it's a very it's a daily challenge for me how to how to be supportive and not judgmental or not push away. So, yeah. So, so tell me, tell me about when you, so when you got pregnant <laughs> and so did you automatically think, okay, here comes another little vegan. And, and what was that experience? And with little, with Isaiah, how old is your son now? So Isaiah is 11. He turned 11 in April and that was never even like a question for me because I was 40 by the time I got pregnant and I went vegan at 19, 20. So it had already been such a huge part of my life. I had already been a vegan restaurant owner, you know, founded animal rights groups on college campuses, um, been, you know, organized many demonstrations, public outreach um, awareness demonstrations throughout the years, done uh, leafleting. I mean, 
I could go like, you know, 30 things already at that point that I had been involved with canvassing, working with various animal rights groups, doing humane education, like the list goes on. I've pretty much done almost everything, um, in you know, that can be encompassed in a vegan lifestyle. So it was just a no brainer, like I'm pregnant. Awesome. You know, and I have spoken to some women who like were vegan got pregnant and was like, oh, I couldn't maintain it when I was pregnant. I was really having cravings for animal products. And I just could not understand that because um, when you're pregnant, your olfactory sense is extremely heightened. So I already am very sensitive to that. If I'm walking down the street at a street fair and they're cooking you know, animal flesh, it just sets off like my gag reflex. And I walk around with a shawl a lot because I use it for dancing and oftentimes I'm walking past the smell I don't like, I just cover my nose. And when I was pregnant, it was so much worse. Like not only would I smell that smell and it would just like viscerally, it would affect me, but energetically and emotionally, I was like, the last thing I wanna put in my body when I'm creating life in my body is death and death that comes from sentient beings that have been tortured and suffered their entire existence and were bred into existence in a violent way and born just to be consumed or used. Um, why would I think I'm losing Heidi. Let's see. But I love what she's saying about not wanting to put that in our bodies. Let's see. I mean, yeah, especially as when you when you're pregnant with a with a new a life. Yes, am I frozen, JJ, or is Heidi? Thanks for joining us. I think we're frozen. Let's see. Well, let me try to see what's going on here. Here we go. Uh -oh. All right. So we're learning a lot from Heidi and she's got, um, I'm sure she'll be jumping back on when she can. So we have a lot of, I mean, Heidi's done so much an animal activism through her years. I mean, of becoming vegan at 19 and she's a, it's amazing. And I know she's spreading that vegan message all the time. And she's there with her son, Isaiah, who has been a, a vegan since birth. So let's see. If, I mean, it, it's very, it's very challenging. I know, I mean, hearing the stories of mothers who, who want to raise their children vegan and then to be questioned at every turn. And, and then with the, when you go to the doctor, I mean, what's the doctor going to say, right? What, what's coming at you so i mean it's a challenge let's see here oh yeah jj has a great comment here as always she's right on the mark is she hiding <laughs> thank you for everything you do heidi yes come on back heidi <laughs> so yeah and her son is an amazing drummer and he's a, a big vegan advocate as a child as a young man he is really he wears his vegan shirts and he does his part in it. And, and it's amazing to be born vegan that he was born vegan. I wish I was born vegan. Definitely. And we got, and then now, now more and more of us are 
more and more little ones are being born vegan. So it's it's very important that we have community support and that you reach out to Heidi. She's on Facebook also. So let me see if I can, let me see what's going on, if I can get a hold of her and see. Um, well, I'm sure she's going to be trying to jump back on. So, yeah, uh, fostering compassion. I went to a, a rodeo last, a rodeo protest last night. It was very challenging. There was only three of us. And there were so many people in the trucks coming by. And we were holding our signs. And they were, they were um, laughing. And I mean, it's hard. It's hard to imagine that disconnection between animals. We saw horses go into the rodeo. And I felt so terrible for those horses. I felt terrible for the animals. It was it was very disturbing. So, but we did it. We stood out there for about an hour. It was just three of us, but we we had impact. I know we did. And I saw people looking at our sign and whether they laughed or not, it didn't matter. We were there doing what we believed in. So it's very important. There, they're going to go back tonight. A couple of them. My friend Corey is the one who organized it. And so Corey's going back out there tonight. I wish I could go, but he's got some other folks with him. So it's really important that we're activists. And like Heidi has been an activist since 19. So that's amazing. And JJ is an activist too. And she's saying she's a born again vegan. Amen to that. <laughs> here comes Heidi. Let's get her back on here. All right. I was just telling them. Okay. Can you see yeah. me? I, I, I got you. I got you. You're on. Oh, I don't see you. Okay. I'm here, but I'm, here we are. Okay. I am so sorry. My internet completely kicked out as we were talking before about the uncertainty of technical issues and uh, sometimes they happen at the most unopportune of times. So. <laughs> yeah, I was just telling him how I went to the rodeo protest and that disconnection and how important it is that we have mothers like you that are nurturing compassion so that people won't get to that disconnection where they're going to a rodeo, right? Where I mean, there were tons of cars there driving into that rodeo. But anyway, and I was telling him about how you've been, I mean, amazing animal activists here since 19. So that's wonderful. So Let's jump back to where we were, Heidi. What were you saying before you? So disappeared? we had just discussed uh, my vegan pregnancy, and um, okay. to sum it up, basically, yes, of course, Isaiah was vegan from conception. I would never have even considered anything else. Um, there was like one moment when I was trying to conceive, and I didn't really have fertility issues. I was able to get pregnant pretty easily, but I was forty. And my husband at the time, Isaiah's birth dad, was 15 years older than me. So he was 55, a little older than most people would conceive. But we, I did some acupuncture and a lot of energy healing and conceived pretty quickly. But there were a couple of people that, you know, were acupuncturists saying, why don't you take some eggs? Why don't you, that'll help with fertility. And there was like a brief moment where I had a friend who rescued chickens she raised them in her yard. They had names, they had lives. They were never used for food. They were never killed. And I was like, hmm, you know, could I maybe consume those eggs morally? It seemed like it was kind of a vegan thing to do. And then when they were actually like put in front of me, I just was like, I really just have no desire to put like what's a chicken ovulation. <laughs> it's, it's just not food in my brain. And I knew that these animals, even though they were rescued, they came from a horrible industry where their bodies were manipulated to make them produce way more eggs than they naturally would, which put a huge strain on their body. And it just still felt wrong. 
to put that in my energy field. So even then I didn't cave in. Um, and then I had issues when I was breastfeeding and I wound up having to supplement my son with um, soy formula. And then people were going, soy, it's so horrible for boys, which we know that issue has been, um, you know, many vegan plant-based doctors have shown that that is not true. That's a fallacy. Um, and it's been rebuttaled that argument, but I still had some fear and I started going, Hmm, should I look into this, you know, goat milk? And, and every time I even like would consider that I would still come back to the moral, you know, answer. No, I'm not doing that. I don't have to. So I gave him the organic soy and whatever breast milk I could get him. And I even took donations from some women because I thought that was still better than getting it from an, another species. <laughs> Well, that makes a lot of sense. Definitely a human milk, right? It's, I always think, why if if we have to drink an animal's milk, why don't we drink a chimp's milk? Because that would be closer to us, right, than a cow. Of course, I don't advocating advocate drinking chimp's milk. <laughs> so don't get me wrong, anybody. <laughs> and when you show people pictures, like if they see a visual of someone actually going underneath a cow and sucking from their udders, People get horrified. They're like, oh, that's, yeah, that's utterly disgusting. So no pun intended. <laughs> or you show them a picture of someone drinking, you know, dog milk or, or chimp milk or, yeah, uh, you know, any other mammal. And they just, they get, they cringe. And you're like, why is that cringeworthy? But drinking cow's milk is just, again, a society that desensitizes and normalizes something that really we'd look at and go, this is so bizarre, but I've grown up doing it. So I guess this is what everyone does can easily affect people's um, ability to, to really think critically. And all of a sudden, what they've always done and the habits are stronger than their critical thinking skills. Yeah, that's true. It's very hard to break the, the habits. I mean, without questions, like we got to have milk. We had that drilled into our brains all the time that we you got to have strong bones. But yeah, so what about, so when, well, when, when, when Isaiah was born, what did other families or what did your doctors, you know, what was the response from other people? I mean, I, he was born in San Diego, which there's probably a few more vegans and hippie type and progressive type people there than there would be in some other areas of the country. So, you know, some of the choices that I was making as a mother that were more natural choices, um, people really didn't question that or look down upon that. Um, I was actually embarrassed, like when I couldn't nurse or I couldn't do some of the things that I thought I'd be able to do. And I was like, oh, they're all judging me. Oh, I'm not being as natural as I should be. You know, and now I look back and realize that, you know, that was my own self-judgment and you do the best you can. And sometimes the things you thought you were going to do don't always work. But I was pretty lucky early on. I don't remember too much pushback from people in my life or doctors or anyone, because I guess like everyone already knew my position. And I had been so strong with that for so many years that no one really tried to say anything. Where I do remember it being a bit of an issue was when Isaiah was like a toddler, maybe two or three, <clears throat> and he was a very picky eater, which oftentimes toddlers are. And I was having a hard time getting him enough food or getting him enough diverse foods and felt like he may have been lacking in some vitamins or minerals. Um, which I think many children that are on the standard American diet, you know, sadly are, they're eating chips and soda and garbage. And so they tell you, oh, you better be careful. Your child's vegan. They're going to be lacking this and that. And you're like, but look at what, you know, the average American feeds their child. So I had a doctor that was always, oh, he's too small. He doesn't weigh enough. He's not on our charts. And, you know, what I say to parents is forget about those charts. The charts are designed 
you know, from misinformation saying if your child is not exactly this weight or this much body fat at this age, something's wrong. And now my family, I am like four nine. <laughs> I am literally almost a midget. I'm not even being funny. Like I am that short. My mother's like five feet. My father's like five two. I come from a very short family. So, and my mom said all of her children, she had four children. We were all weighed very minimal when we were young and we didn't, we had a few years where we didn't gain a bunch of weight. We were just small kids. So when they kept saying, oh, he's not on this, on the chart, she goes, they didn't even have those charts when you guys were growing up. What you have to look at is, is your child lethargic and sitting around with no energy at that age? Something could be wrong. Does your child have digestive issues? Something could be wrong. You know, are they drinking enough? Do they have enough thirst? If they're doing all those things and their digestive, you know, um, system seems to be working fine and energetically they're developing normally. Okay. So they weigh a little less than this other child. They're a little smaller, but look at the family they came from. You know, you can't just base it on the doctor saying there's these charts, but I said, okay, to appease the doctors so they can leave me alone already about their charts and him being too small. I'm going to go to a child, um, a pediatric nutritionist, uh, which they, you know, did suggest I do. And so I took him to the pediatric nutritionist who actually was a pediatric gastroenterologist and he worked with a nutritionist. They worked together. And if I tell you the funny thing is the nutritionist he worked with was almost vegan. Her family, she said she fed them mostly plant-based. Um, and she said, you know, you're feeding your child way healthier than almost every parent I meet with. You understand certain nutritional needs that most parents don't understand. You're giving him great diversity. They took his blood work, which came out fine. He was lacking in almost nothing. He needed a little more fat. So we looked at ways I can add. I was able to add some more coconut oil to his oatmeal when I made it. I was able to sneak avocados in his smoothies. You know, I just looked for ways of adding more of the healthy fats. Um, I got him into olives. You know, we just look, looked at foods that he was able to eat. Um, and then as soon as they saw that and they saw that the nutritionist and the um, gastroenterologist were fine and all the blood work came out fine, they pretty much left me alone and never said anything about it again. And then he's had tremendous growth spurts since then. And now he's like a huge foodie. I mean, I this kid eats so many diverse foods. And if you have a young child or a toddler, just know generally you, most parents will have some food issues at times where they don't like textures. They only eat the same three or four foods and it has to be cut this way or be on the plate in that direction. That's really normal for children to have those kinds of food issues. And you could take them for food therapy. Isaiah and I actually did that at one point. We did go to food therapy, which just helped him learn how to slow down, eat consciously, chew his food better, like certain things that everyone could use in their life anyway, you know, food awareness of how to eat, how to respect your food, um, make sure he was taking a bite of one and then another, like just basic things like that really helped. Um, and then things change. Your child will be like this amazing eater when they're really little. Then for a few months, you're like, I can't get this food, this kid, any food. They only want pasta and bread. Then the next thing you know, all of a sudden their tastes expand and their palate, you know, grows and matures and they start adding in, you know, ethnic foods that you're like, oh, my kid's eating a uh, doll. And, you know, my kid's eating all these great, you know, Mediterranean foods. Um, and my child now loves so many different foods. You know, he does like a lot of the vegan comfort foods, unfortunately, not always the healthiest, but I also make sure like, hey, we're having hummus or we're having just beans and rice, you know, we're having black bean soup, miso soup, we are not always eating the vegan mac and cheese and the pizzas and the chicken nuggets, because those are, you know, they're 
they're processed and it doesn't mean we can never eat them, but they shouldn't be the only thing we eat. So, you know, just teaching your child about all those things um, and knowing that kids are always going to change. So the doctors pretty much leave me alone at this point. They really never say anything anymore about our diet choices. If anything, they, they might compliment me like, when when they go oh, what's a normal diet day like in your diet and i so, oh he gets an acai and i put kale in his acai and i put hemp seeds and chia seeds and they're like looking at me like oh i guess we better write down your diet <laughs> <laughs> well definitely that's a lot better than hot dogs and chips and junk so yeah oh my gosh it's night and day so yeah Wonderful tips, um, Heidi. And I love the way that you were strong and they know who you were. You know, they knew you. This is who she is. And, you know, they weren't going to topple your beliefs. So that was. Yeah, because it's not, I, you know, you have to explain to them it's not just a diet, it's a moral system. And I'm not going to cave in. And there's definitely ways of meeting various nutritional limitations by just going, okay, if he's lacking in this what do I need to add? Do I need to supplement? Do I need to add more figs or more spinach? Like you just look for the foods that are high in that particular nutrient that might be missing. And generally there's almost always a way that we can get it through a plant-based source. So um, you have to be strong and you can't cave and you have to let them understand that it's, it's, it's not just a diet, but it's a lifestyle and it encompasses every choice you make way beyond just what you put on your plate. Amen to that. Yeah. So what about when um, Isaiah, he, when he realized that he was eating differently than his friends, or did you have a conversation to explain that when he, when he became old enough and how did that go? You know, it's funny because I have a few friends that are like, when do you tell them? When do you teach them? Like, when do they start to realize they're different? And I don't know why I feel so blessed, but it just always was like, you know, I always raised him and I never hid things. Like, obviously I wasn't gonna show him, like, I'm not gonna show him, uh, you know, Dominion. I'm not gonna show him Earthlings. Obviously that's way too graphic. But from the beginning, I was always clear, like these are the foods we eat. They come from the earth. They come from plants. No animals had to suffer. It's better for the environment. Like that was just always part of the narrative, part of the conversation of how we lived. So there wasn't really like that moment. It was just like he always was. And he never questioned it. And, and he is so convicted and so strong in his vegan beliefs that I just keep like pinching myself going, okay, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop because I can't tell you how many friends I have who raise their children vegan. And then maybe there's another parent in the picture that now influenced that child to, oh, well, they added this one thing in or when they're with that parent, they'll eat this animal product. Now they're trying this. And you know, you have to tell your child that they have that choice, that they have that right to be autonomous, or they will probably rebel against you. And that's with anything. So I've always made it clear to Isaiah, if you're with someone in the family that's not vegan, and you decide you want to try a non-vegan food item or something, I will never bring it in our house. I will never buy it. I won't be happy about it. I'll be very sad. But I won't love you any less. I won't judge you. Um, I will not let you eat it in our household or give you money towards it. But you're your own person. And you have to make your own choices. And if you feel like you wanted to just out of curiosity try something when I'm not with you and you're with a grandparent or his daddy who's not, you know, sadly not 100% vegan, he has, he's been told and he knows he has that choice. And he just looks at me and goes, 
no way, mom. Like I will never, I will never want to eat anything that comes from an animal. He's just so strongly believes in it. Like I do that. That's not what we do to animals, that they have their own rights to not be tortured and mutilated and, and killed. And I really believe he'll always be vegan. I mean, who knows, maybe when he's a teenager, peer pressure will kick in and maybe there'll be a moment he decides, but I don't even think he'll like it if he tries those foods. Cause I've heard from parents, like parents that feed their children meat, baby food. They say that generally the kid, the child does not like it at first and they reject it, but then they acquire a taste for it. I've heard that from a lot of parents. So I think he would probably just be like, ew, this is gross. And why would I eat this when the vegan version tastes so close anyway, but less gross. <laughs> so, I mean, I really do believe that he's going to stay vegan um, and then he doesn't really question it and it doesn't bother him that he's different. Like, yeah, he does get picked on for it. He does get bullied and made fun of for it. But in the long run, it's going to make him a stronger person because he's still willing to stand up for what he believes in, even though the kids pick on him for it. He's not going to back down. And to me, that just shows so much integrity on his part that even as a young child, he puts his morals and what he cares about above fitting in or being accepted by the other children. Yeah, that shows great strength. And so he's probably picked up that from you, you being strong in your beliefs and standing up and, and saying, this is who I am. And that he's seeing you and, you know, mirroring your behavior, which is wonderful. Definitely. And I'm sure it would be hard. I mean, the bullying and being made fun of, I mean, because we get made fun of, I get, you know, so as a child, I mean, yeah, way to go, Isaiah. That's, that's what I say. Way Thank to go. You. Keep up the good work. Yeah. Right. And so and I do tell him that adults get bullied. I said, vegan adults get bullied all the time. You know, people laugh at us. People think it's a joke. They put memes of, of, of bacon and pigs being tortured like it's horrible what people do to vegans because we're compassionate so he does see that um and you know sometimes i try to explain to him because we are so outspoken about it that because we do speak up and because if the kids at school come up to him and make a joke of let's say he's wearing a, v a shirt with a vegan message or he's eating a vegan food or something they'll try to joke around and, and make light of it and he'll stick up for the animals and i said look I admire you that you stick up for the animals and I do it too. You know what I said, but because you're young and the kids at that age, like when you stick up for the animals and say what you're doing is better and what you're doing is right, the way that they're going to receive that and interpret that is you're now judging them. Like by saying what you do is right and what they're doing is wrong, they're looking at it where they're going to go on the defense and say, hey, he's basically attacking me and telling me my lifestyle is wrong. They're not old enough to understand yet. Like, you know, you could still speak up for the animals and say what you believe in, but you have to own it as your own and say, well, I understand you don't believe the same thing as me, but this is why I do what I believe. This is how I view it. And he has to, you know, I'm trying to teach him a little more to own his beliefs without it coming across as judgmental towards the other people so that there's less likelihood that he will be, you know, picked on or that they will get on the defense about it. Have we lost you again? <laughs> I see myself only. So we may once again have lost our wonderful host. <laughs> so yeah, and, and children will always get bullied. Children, you know, get bullied. Uh, my son doesn't just get bullied for 
his vegan choices and for being outspoken about it, but also for his long hair. He gets bullied for being Jewish, sadly. So, um, you know, I'm trying to explain to him that as the children get older, when they become like, you know, teenagers, that's when maybe he could start sharing certain films, certain books, when they're a little bit more autonomous. Like if you try to tell them at this age, read this book, watch this, the parents are going to get very offended and they're going to say, you're, you're trying to um, spread your your dogma to my child, you have a narrative or, you know, you're trying to um, sway them and they can get offended. But as children become teenagers, they're going to get more curious and they're going to start asking, oh, can you share this book or this video? I said, so give it a few years. I said, maybe sit back a little more with it, say less. And then as they get older and kids start coming to you, and I said, when you get to middle school, you can maybe even start a vegan or animal rights club. I mean, there's at least one other vegan kid and there might be more, but there's one other vegan family here in the town we live in, we know of. And there's one child in his age. They're in different uh, elementary schools, but they'll be together in middle school next year. I said, maybe you and he could start some kind of a vegan club. And it could be as simple as trying to get more vegan options into the cafeteria, which I've been trying for years now with the food service director in our district. And sadly, it's um, moved very slow. But um, I said, maybe if you and some of the students start a club, and work on that issue, it'll move faster because you're advocating for yourself now. Um, so I'm always looking for ways for him to, yeah, still be outspoken, but I don't want him to always be ostracized. I don't want him to always have to stand out and be different. And you disappeared for a minute, but I was saying, I think that everyone still heard me. So I was saying that he also gets picked on for other things, you know? So I want him to learn how to own it and have him still speak his beliefs, but let it come across in a less judgmental manner so the kids don't feel like they have to go on the defense or they have to go, oh, I'm not going near that kid. He's too judgy. He's too preachy. You know, you don't want to come across that way. And it's not, there's a thin line of how you could be an advocate as a vegan, but yet, like you were saying earlier, not come across as judgmental. And when you're someone that studies non-judgmental spiritual living, like the yogic texts and stuff, you really don't want to be that judgy you know, vegan animal rights person, but yet you still want to stand up for what's right. So there is a, a fine line. And especially for a child that young, it's even more difficult to navigate that. Yeah, you're right. And these are great tips that you're giving um, and, and great experiences. And um, and Isaiah is a change maker, right? As a young, as a young man. So really, gosh, just giving him three cheers. So yeah, I don't want to, <laughs> let me look at some questions here. We got a question here. My daughter is an equestrian. These horses are treated really well, but something keeps bugging me about it. Is it wrong? And we came, we actually had a discussion about this in a group that I was in the other day. So I'd love to hear your comments, Heidi. I mean, it. <laughs> it's hard. Well, yeah, you know, it. some of these issues are not cut and dry. They're not black and white. There are some gray areas. Um, as someone that doesn't believe in any type of animal exploitation, um, you could sometimes look at when you have animals and they're there for a specific reason, like you're using them to ride or something. Um, in my moral framework, that might encompass that there's a form of that relationship encompasses some form of exploitation because it's how can they serve me? What am I using them for? Now, I'm not saying that everyone that rides horses, I have friends, close friends that ride horses, 
and they adore their horses and they treat them well. They make sure that they are nourished. They have treats. They, they massage them. Like they might give that animal the best of care. And I can honor that they're doing what they think is okay <clears throat> in the best way they can. And they're not abusing that animal. But in my perspective, as a vegan animal rights person, it just still wouldn't fit in my framework to have a being that's there just for a purpose that I can use them. I don't know what it feels like for a horse to ride on their back. I don't know if if that could ever be uncomfortable. I know there's better ways of doing it. You know, with some people say there's the bit in the mouth. There's other things that can cause some discomfort when you ride them. I don't know enough to say, but just from what I feel, I believe that it's not the relationship I'd want to have with a horse. You know, I'd want to rescue them and just let them do their own thing and run around free on land, you know, in a sanctuary without saying, oh, let me see if I can ride them because they like riding. They might like running, but do they want someone on their back? I, I don't really know. And I, you know, I rode horses a little when I was younger. And when I went vegan, I just felt like it, I didn't want to do that anymore. I didn't want to be on their back. I didn't, think they were there for that purpose for me I'd love to go up and touch them and I do massage for a living so I've definitely done a little bit of equine massage um, and that's amazing um, so it's I'm not going to say those people are are terrible people they might actually be really treating their animals well but do they make money off you know using their animals and to me that that you know I'm repeating myself but there's some sort of an exploitive relationship going on at that point in it just in my opinion and again everyone's gonna have they're gonna fall at different levels of what where do you draw the line you know certain things might be okay and other things aren't and some every vegan's got to go to a certain degree like we don't live in a perfect vegan world you know there's no perfect veganism like i drive a car and apparently there's animal products in the tires you know when i'm driving there are bugs that are being killed incidentally on the road from the car um you know, I will sometimes take Western medicines and almost all of them at one point were tested on animals. Um, I've taken vaccines, you know, like, so every vegan has to decide where they draw the line. Some vegans won't eat refined sugar because it could potentially sometimes be, um, you know, refined through animal bones. And although it's not in the final product, some vegans are like, I don't want that in ingesting that. Um, some vegans have companion animals and they feed them meat dog food. I won't do that. You know, I have a dog and she's vegan and every dog I've had has been vegan because they thrive on that diet. And I'm not trying to push my morals on them, but I don't feel right saying, well, I'm going to keep this one being alive and hundreds of animals are going to have to die to keep that one animal alive. For me, that that doesn't work. But every vegan is going to probably have to decide where they compromise and where they're willing to say, OK, we don't live in a perfect vegan world. Am I eating vegetables that come from a non-veganic farm it's organic but they might be using fertilizer like it's just you do the best you can to cause the least amount of suffering and if you know if for you working with those horses is bringing healing and you know you feel that that place is really treating them well you know you have to decide for yourself if that's comfortable for you i can't really you know make that answer i could just tell you for me what feels comfortable yeah, I, I agree with that also. There's no perfect vegans. We all do the best we can. And also people are kind of up-leveling their vegan journey. I mean, changing, oh, or more awareness. Like I didn't really understand about honey until actually one of them, uh, one of the young guys in my group had a 
great presentation. So now when I like today, I went to the farmer's market and I asked them about the honey, where what happens to the bees after the honey is taken? And she stopped for a minute and she said, I don't know. I never thought about that. What I mean, what do you give the bees? That's their food. That's their food. What do you give them? And I didn't do it. And, you know, I did it in a very curious way. So she didn't feel threatened, but it was good awareness. So, yeah, I mean, we do the best we can. Um, and I don't think, of course, just again, I'm just saying the same thing over and over, you know, just we're always general. learning and we're always growing. And there's, you know, even if someone that's for me, that's been vegan for 33 years, there are times that, you know, I go, oh, wait, someone did tell me at some point that that particular product might not always be vegan. And I forgot about that because there's a lot to remember and a lot to think about. And sometimes you might forget about a certain food coloring or a certain something that could sometimes be derived from an animal. And again, you know, sometimes you're going to add new things that you didn't realize even years down the road that you now have become aware of, you know, and um, luckily with honey, we have so many great alternatives. You know, we have the agave nectar, we have the apple honey, and, and some of them taste so much like honey that I'm like, ugh, because I think I lost my taste for honey so many years ago that I prefer like maple syrup and, um, you know, other sweeteners anyway. But, you know, things that sometimes you just weren't aware of, even as someone that was on this journey. Yeah, you're always going to learn and grow. Yeah, amen to that. So it, it's, a, it's, it's a journey of growth. So and if you're enjoying this, please hit subscribe. Just want to throw that in there. And let, let's look at a comment from JJ. And she's got a great channel, Veganology. So please subscribe to her channel. Good job not eating the eggs. That's great. And you're a great mom. The world really tries to get in with animal products the moment they see. Yeah, the moment they see us vulnerable. Exactly. You're right. So, I mean, I don't think they can. They're not going to take Heidi down, though. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> And JJ saying um, great information. Yeah. So um, this is really powerful information. And is there anything that Isaiah really, um, I mean, what's the thing that stands out the most about him and his beliefs? What would you say? I, I guess I would say um, he's just super sensitive to the fact that, you know, we don't need to live the way we live in our society that we're at a, a turning point where if we don't make changes soon environmentally there's going to be no point of return and he's very aware of the environmental you know catastrophic consequences we're facing on the planet now so largely related to our food choices and the horrible animal agriculture industry and all the destruction that it creates on this planet. And he just, he can't wrap his brain around why do good people, intelligent people, they know this, we're telling them, we're showing them like, it's simple, just change a little, you know, just make a few simple changes. It's so abundant now to get vegan food. It's everywhere, it's easy to find. You know, he just can't wrap his brain around why aren't these people making these changes? Why is it so difficult for people to not be selfish, I guess, and say, well, my taste buds or my convenience come before the future of our planet. And he knows that the planet is in dire straits and that we might not have a future, you know, for our grandchildren and our grandchildren's children if people don't go to a vegan diet. So 
I think that hits him really hard. And being someone that's growing up being taught about compassion and righteousness and treating all sentient beings with respect and not feeling that it's our God-given right to just take their lives and do what we want with their bodies. Um, growing up as that kind of a human in a society that doesn't nurture or foster that type of belief is really difficult, you know, especially when the people you love, you know, your grandparents, even your daddy, you know, people in your immediate world, they don't even get it. And they're, or they're not willing to make those changes and those sacrifices to say, oh, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll do this. It's not that difficult, you know, if it's going to help our planet and it's going to help prevent suffering, it's going to make my health better. Um, you know, you have to try to like show him that even good people make bad choices. You know, that's what I told him when I was little, when I was teaching him, you know, it doesn't mean they're bad people, but they just can't always change. And it's still hard for him. You know, we go to, um, you know, a social event and he, we have to sit there and smell the meat, watch people eat it. We have to go, why didn't they go out of their way to get us anything? Sometimes we have to bring our own food. So, you know, it's, it's hard to fit into society when you're raised with that much compassion and it'll show itself in so many different areas. He's out on the playground and kids are going over and hurting a bug and he's running over going, don't hurt the bug. And they're like, ha ha ha, this kid is sticking up for the bug. What a loser. And then he's at camp the other day and there's a baby bird that fell out of a nest probably on the ground and he's going, no, leave the bird because most likely the bird was born and the bird was just tried to fly away. And then the bird is on the ground and they couldn't fly. And the mom's going to come back and they're going, no, we got to take the bird to a, a rehabilitator or to a, you know, a vet. And he's going, but wait, give it a few hours. And what kid knows that, you know, but my kid knows that, of course. So he's sitting there. He's like, mommy, I tried to tell them and they wouldn't listen. And it's so hard when like you're the one that's trying to be the voice for reason and you're only 11 and people don't generally take 11 year olds seriously. You're not old enough. You're, you're not wise enough, they think. Yet he's got this knowledge and this vast, you know, heart that is so huge and so much compassion for life. And he wants to share this with everyone. And a lot of people just reject it. So it's not easy for a child to have to, you know, see that rejection when he thinks, oh, I'm going to share this information and everyone's going to be like, that's great. Sure, I'll do that. And instead, they push him away and make fun of him for trying to share his compassionate perspective. Gosh, yes. I mean, he, he's a, a very advanced for his age in, in, in this awakening, right? So, yeah, and it's beautiful the way that he steps up for animals. And he's very gifted. He's a drummer. And, I mean, he's he's just very sensitive young man. I'm excited to see what the future is, you know, where, where he's going to be in 10 years. Thank you. I do, too. I wish he would have joined us. He's extraordinarily shy and he was going back and forth. He's a little fickle, like his mom. So I'm going to talk. I'm not going to talk. And I guess, he, you know, in the long run, he decided he wasn't going to join us. So, but I think he heard I was, you know, speaking on his behalf. And I'm sure um, he would have answered the questions very similarly to the way I have. So I'm definitely representing him. But at some point when he gets a little older and maybe he comes out of his shell a little, hopefully he'll be willing to do these kinds of, um, you know, interviews. I've, you know, I've done lectures at various animal rights events and he, I know he looks up to the things I've done. So hopefully at some point he'll feel like he's ready to share his knowledge in a more, um, you know, uh, social setting in a, a, a more public, you know, forum. 
Oh yeah. Well, it's, I mean, I, you couldn't have dragged me up here when I was 11 years old. <laughs> right. <laughs> no way. So, I mean, again, he's very advanced, so he's on his journey and, and that's what's the exciting part about it. And seeing what, 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 where he'll be, what are his, who are his vegan idols? Does he have any? That's a good question. Um, I don't really know that he has any particular vegan idols. Um, I think it's more the local people that he meets. Like when we go to animal rights marches and protests, not so much the big names that you might see that are running big groups, but just local grassroots people. Because I always explain to him, like you could give money to the bigger groups, but they have bigger budgets. But when you keep it local, that's where you're going to see more changes and more ripple effects. So he sees a lot of people here that are running small groups and doing rescue. I have a lot of friends that are in rescue and rehab. Um, he sees people that are running local vegan groups and doing organizing vegan get togethers and animal rights protests. And I think he just looks up to the local activists that he meets. You know, I think I would say that that's really his mentor and, and me, I guess, you know, um, and other vegan friends of mine, like when we get together and we go, places and we have conversations. I think he just loves seeing how, you know, we're willing to stand up for what we believe in and be different than the mainstream and make it such a huge part of our life that some days rather than go to something fun, we're going to go stand outside of a first store or we're going to go, you know, protest a rodeo or whatever. And he's, he doesn't come to every protest with me, but he does often come to them. And I think it makes him feel good to be surrounded by other people that are like-minded because um, I know, you know, sometimes you see people on Facebook groups or on the Internet saying, oh, I've got no vegan friends in real life. And I'm like, I don't get that, because even in 1990 and 91, when I went vegetarian and vegan, I always had vegan friends in my life. I would go seek out the vegan groups. I would seek out whether it was a, a group that just met up at restaurants or had vegan potlucks or whether it was an activist group. Um, I always surrounded myself by vegans so I didn't feel alone and that I had momentum and I had drive to keep on that journey and on that path. And when I see people saying, oh, I have no vegan friends in real life, they're all on Facebook. I'm like, oh, that's got to be so hard and I feel so bad for them. And we've always been surrounded by other vegan friends and vegan communities. So <clears throat> I think just seeing how you could make that your world, even in a non-vegan world, you can live a very vegan life and have tons of vegan people around you. I think that's, those are his mentors. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. And so I love the way you took action. I mean, that, that you, you are bringing, you're going to the vegans or like if you were, I, I, I think that if someone's really struggling and saying they're no vegans or they don't have friends, I think it's up to them to start that vegan meetup group, right? Cause there's probably people sitting at home waiting for someone to start it. So we, again, like they say, um, we have to be the change. We can't be waiting around for it and to to definitely stand strong. And that's what you've done, Heidi, and your all your activism and teaching this to your son is amazing. So <laughs> I'm very, thank very you. and you too. Everything you're doing is amazing. Well, thank you. Yeah. And then I could really relate to the like last night going to the rodeo protest and then some people kind of saying, Well, don't you want to go out with me and have fun? It's like for me, this is, it's not about fun. This is so much, you know, on such a bigger level, right? And, but even with adults, you know, kind of getting that poking, being poked at in that aspect. And it's like, 
And this is something that is, is so dear to my heart. It's over any party, you know, so I'm, yeah. And, I, and on that note, what I do try to also relate to Isaiah is that even as committed and devoted as we are as activists, and most weekends I try to have a protest or some form of activism in my life, we also do a lot of fun stuff. We go to outdoor concerts, we go to the beaches, we go to drum circles, like we have a lot of other, you know, things in our life and for our mental wellness sometimes we need to make sure that we're also doing fun things. So sure, we can be an activist, but it doesn't mean, oh, you went this weekend to a concert and you didn't go to a protest that makes you a bad activist. Like, <laughs> I definitely feel like that's a dangerous narrative. And sadly, there are a lot of people that will make you feel guilty if you're not at a protest every weekend. Like, why did you go to this fun thing, but you didn't come to our protest? Well, you know what? I'm a mom, I work, I have other interests and hobbies. Sometimes we have family commitments. Like today, I've got a family commitment after this. Tomorrow, I've got another family commitment. You know, we have other things we need to do and we need to be well-rounded individuals. And if we get so stuck in just that one role, that then we burn out as well. And so I say to people, if you're not on the street doing street activism, it doesn't mean you're not an activist. There's so many different forms of activism and you could be an armchair activism. You could be out there, you know, writing letters, making phone calls, signing petitions. You could go lobby Congress people. You could be doing a vegan blog. You could be writing a book. You could be making vegan films. You could be opening a vegan food company. Like being a street activist is just one way. And I think it's really annoying when I hear vegans that are like, oh, that person, they didn't come to our protest. They're not an activist. I'm like, but they're out there rescuing animals every day or they're out there doing a vegan blog. Like that's their form of activism. And quite frankly, some people have, whether it's physical or mental um, limitations where they maybe can't do the street activism or maybe for them it's too confrontational or they, you know, they have an autoimmune disorder and they don't want to be around a lot of people, whatever it is. Like, I just think it's important for us not to judge. And like the weekends, I'm not at a protest, but I'm doing fun things. I'm doing other ways. I'm finding other ways to be an activist. And sometimes it's just wearing a vegan shirt out in public and starting a conversation or, you know, bringing a vegan item to a, a non-vegan potluck, which I generally try not to go to non-vegan potlucks anyway. But just, you know, in general, like you're at work and you bring a vegan dish to share with friends, whatever it is. There's so many ways to be an activist and don't think if you're not at a street, uh, you know, at a protest that you're not an activist. So I make sure that Isaiah understands that as being a vegan and, you know, speaking up for the animals, he is an activist in that way. And it's okay for us to also have fun. <laughs> yeah, we have to, there's gotta be a balance, right? No, I love going to protests. So definitely, <laughs> you know, you get excited about it, but I mean, that's me, not uh, everybody, but I can't well, you go. You get like a sense of um, accomplishment and there's a sense right. of like, you, you did something like when people say, oh, have fun at that purchase. I'm like, believe me, I'm not going to have fun. I'm going because I feel an obligation of being there to speak up. But then you see friends there and you got a little community and that part's part of it's fun because then you get to be in camaraderie with people that, you know, see things from the same perspective you do. And it right, could be, yeah. be fun in that sense. But I feel like it's more this sense of like, all right, I, I went out there and I spoke up 
And I didn't just let that event happen without being there to say, I'm against, I'm opposing this event, and I'm going to make sure that other people see why, and I share knowledge and information with them so that maybe they can make a better choice, and maybe they'll choose not to go to this event next time. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's that like sense of just accomplishment that I felt like when I left there, you know, I'm not going to go again tonight because I, for my own mental health, like you're saying, you know, I've got to have a downtime. So it's good that when we do what we can, everybody in their own way, like you pointed out many different ways. So yes, so we're coming to the end of the hour, I guess we're, <laughs> and so is there any final thoughts, Heidi, and where they could, where can people find you if they're struggling, some moms or dads that you need help? Yeah, um, I mean, I am on Facebook. So, you know, if you want to friend me, just maybe put a little note saying I saw you on the show and I liked what you said, because sometimes if I see people that I don't know, I won't always say, oh, they're vegan. I'm going to automatically friend them because, you know, there are some vegans that maybe I differ with in other areas. And so, you know, just remind me that where you saw me and that you're reaching out to me. Um, it's Heidi Cohen on Facebook. And then in parentheses, it says Harmony, which is a, a nickname I sometimes go by. Um, I'm not really on Instagram or anything else. Um, and these days, uh, the main things I'm doing as far as activism um, is I do perform with a group that my friend Stuart Mitchell runs um, called Voice for Change. And we're mostly out of the boroughs. Most of our events are in Manhattan or Brooklyn where we have individuals that share poetry, music. I'm a dancer, so I dance to different animal rights and vegan themed songs. Um, so sometimes you could find me in the boroughs doing that. I do it maybe once every few months. Um, I definitely go into the city a lot for various uh, protests. I have, like I said, friends here that are involved in um, rescue. So sometimes I will do transports and help them um, with those kinds of um, work. Um, and where else? Um, and then I'm working on trying to get, uh, you know, plant-based meals into the school district. So um, I work sometimes with Amy Hamlin. Um, um, she runs the uh, Healthy School Food Coalition group up in the Hudson Valley. And um, so there's a lot of different groups. I sometimes am doing volunteer work with locally or even non-local. Um, but just find me on Facebook. Um, you can always email me. My email is healingvegandancer at yahoo.com. And that's a way you could reach out to me. And then if you're on Facebook, um, I don't mind, you know, private messages. You can send me a direct message and I can respond to you that way as well. So I hope that clarifies how you can find me and reach out to me. Yeah, definitely. And if you're having it, if you're trying to connect with Heidi and you can't connect with her, send me a message and we'll get get connected. So, yeah. Thank you so much, Heidi and Isaiah. I know you're watching. Probably, I'm sure you're watching. So thank you for everything you're doing. You all are an inspiration. Great mother, son, vegan team. And um, thanks, JJ and everyone for watching Vegan Bohemian 2022. Thanks for joining us, um, all you lovely vegans and keep up the wonderful work and my heart goes out to all of y'all. So thank you, Heidi. Thank you so much for having me today. It was wonderful talking with you. And I hope some of our listeners got some uh, clarification and some good information. I'm going to go look at it later and see if there's any questions that people ask. And then I'll go and answer the questions there as well. So everyone have a, a beautiful day. And thank you again. Thank you. Namaste vegan, everyone. Namaste vegan. <laughs> Namaste vegan.